0: Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We will cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you are a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Hello, welcome to the year 2023 and we're back for the ladies who lead. I am so excited to be joining you today. It has been a while. I'm dusting off my microphone as we speak. Um, But I'm very, very excited to be back on the mic and talking with you today about all things Failing Forward. This was a topic that came up on social media that all of you seemed very interested in learning a little bit more about. And so I took it upon myself during the holidays to brush up on my understanding of what it means to fail forward. And I wanted to share my key takeaways with you based off of the book, Failing Forward by John Maxwell. He is definitely a thought leader in all things, discussing work, culture, leadership, you name it. This guy's probably written about it. Let's get to it. So I think one of the things that really stuck out to me is realizing there is one major difference between average people and high achieving people. Can you guess what that might be? It's this perception of failure and a response to failure. So I think it's, it doesn't really matter where you came from, right? It doesn't matter what educational background that you've had. However, what does matter is how you decide to show up and respond to it. So imagine, you know, getting knocked down. It's all about how you get back up, right? So that's really what we're talking about. And that sounds simple, right? <laughs> um, it's not, depending upon how hard you're hit to begin with. Sometimes it can be debilitating. It can be crippling. and I hope that through this conversation that you can brush yourself off and get back up if you're in that place. So we're talking about failing forward, but first let's understand what it looks like to fail backwards. Um, That looks like blaming others. That looks like repeating the same old mistakes time and time again. That looks like expecting not to fail again or that you're immune to it. So it looks like blindly accepting things as they are. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that one later, or even thinking that I'm a failure or topic of conversation these days is quitting, or as others like to call quietly quitting. So I think we need a new definition of what failure and success look like. And you'll notice on the podcast, it's one of my favorite questions to ask is what does success mean to you? Because everyone has their own thought and ideal of what success means to them. Someone's success that they might say is like the way to go may be completely opposite than of what you define as success. Maybe success is getting up and making your bed every morning. (laughs) Maybe success is, you know, landing the ultimate, you know, pitch and getting a sale. Maybe success looks like walking your dog for mental health purposes. You know, everyone's got their own definition, but I think that we can all agree that failure is not defining, right? It is a lesson. It's a lesson to be learned. And I think as soon as you start training your mind to think that way, that failure is a lesson, I think you're going to be one step closer to having and living your ideal of success. So keep the big picture in mind. Don't just focus on individual events because I think that can also really trip you up when all you think about is everything that went wrong that day, or you just get fixated like I do at times on, you know, a slip of the tongue, or maybe I could have approached it this way. Maybe my body language was not quite the way it needed to have been. Therefore, you know, that was a failure. That was a, not a good meeting, whatever it may be, keeping the big picture in mind and realizing that that one event does not define rest of your day. It shouldn't define the rest of your week or, you know, in five years, will it really matter? That's what I have to tell myself. And the thing about failure is you'll know that you've actually learned your lesson when the action or behavior has actually changed. So anyone can say that they learned something, but if you continue to repeat the same mistake over and over again, don't think you've really learned that lesson. It's okay to fail, but recognizing that failure is not the enemy and it can't be avoided. As perfect as you try to be, which let's face it, no one is, life happens. We make mistakes. We are human. We are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. Mistakes are going to happen. But don't hang your hat on that one mistake. Brush yourself off and get going. A quote that really stuck out to me in this book was Eloise Rostad said, When we give ourselves permission to fail, we at the same time give ourselves permission to excel. So a story that pops into my brain is the time that I thought it would be great to start a wedding planning business. And if you're a friend listening into this, you're probably laughing or rolling your eyes at me because you probably already thought that was a failure too. I thought it'd be a great idea. I thought it combined my creativity, my sense of organization, my love of people. Like, what could go wrong? I just had a wedding. I thought it went well. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go into business for myself. Um, There were a lot of reasons as to the timing of things not really working out the way I really needed them to. We were in the middle of a move that also was difficult to pick up and move in the middle of trying to start a business. But I also wanted to kind of get my feet wet and see what that whole wedding industry Event industry was like. And I had just recently left a hospitality position and I really enjoyed, or I thought I enjoyed that side of it. I wasn't heavily involved in that side, but I saw that it could be really an interesting opportunity. So I realized quickly that that was not my idea of a good time. I did not find any fulfillment in that experience. I realized I don't want to work every weekend and I really don't love people who are complaining about every little thing. <laughs> um, It just was not, there was not alignment in that opportunity. And what I did learn through that experience was how to market the business, right? Like I'd come from a marketing background. I had the hospitality side of things. So I kind of had a little bit of an idea of how to set it up and to do well from a marketing perspective, which was my area of strength that I was operating out of. Um, at that point in time, though, in my career, I had not really learned like the hands-on, let me roll up my sleeves, marketing tactics stuff, right? Like I wasn't, I was sending out email marketing blast to, you know, 500,000 people at one point in time, but I had not done like social media. I had not done like in the weeds email marketing. I had not done any kind of web dev or, you know, just the the hustle and bustle of some of the the marketing techniques that you need early on in your career, And this opportunity really allowed me to lean into those areas of weakness that I had and really hone in on those abilities that it actually allowed me to create a portfolio that I had never had before, which made me a lot more marketable when moving to a new location, a new market, trying to get a new job. I was for four months really in a a gap between moving to a new place, getting settled and also not finding work and being able to reinvent myself in that way. I kind of joke with people and say like, I feel like my life is one big reinvention every season of wherever I'm moving or whatever I'm doing. And at that point in time, it really allowed me to build a portfolio and make myself a lot more attractive on paper and with the assets that I'd built out. And so by the time I went to that next position, I looked like a desirable marketing professional and so that setback of that business failing, what it seemed like to most people, was actually that next setup that I didn't realize I needed in order to move forward in my career. And I learned a lot about myself about other people in the process, that it really made me appreciate where I was trying to go. And it gave me a lot more clarity. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you just messed something up, if you just really went for it and it failed, I'm pretty sure there's a lesson to be learned somewhere in there. You just might need to look a little bit deeper. So Maxwell discusses, you know, success is a journey. It's not a destination, right? And A couple of things that you need to know along the way in your journey is really, number one, knowing your purpose. So why are you doing what you're doing? So funny, I actually just did this exercise with my own team. Um, I lead a team remotely, and I really wanted them to define their why in their role. Um, And then we're going to create like our team ethos and all the good things around that. But I think that's so important. If you cannot define that for yourself, then... Stop what you're doing right now. Press pause. Come back to this. But go watch Simon Sinek first off. He's incredible. And watch the golden circle conversation about the why, how, and what. Um, Number two, growing to reach your potential. Number three, sowing seeds that benefit others. I love that one. I love developing others. Helping them reach their fullest potential, I think, is so rewarding. But that's what he defines as the journey to success. It's a continuation of learning, right? Every failure should look like a step towards success. And a couple of the steps that you might feel along the way, which is step one, afraid of being a fool. I've been there. Step two, looks like a fool. Also been there. Step three, being the fool. Step four, successful entrepreneur and then step five you're apparently you're a genius and you know all the people who hit that genius status at one time looked they're probably afraid of looking like a fool through the continuation of learning they were able to refine their processes their creative genius whatever it was that got them to where they are and it it, they're i'm sure it was not without adversity and failure along the way so Something to keep in mind that the difference between average people and achieving people would be the response to failure. So, if you failed, are you a failure? I want to encourage you not to internalize your setback. It's real easy to get down and feel like you were defined by that, but I want to tell yourself that you're not defined as a failure. You may have failed to do something, but you alone are not a failure. Like Vincent van Gogh, for example, he only sold one painting in his lifetime. Or did you know that Thomas Edison was considered unteachable? Albert Einstein was told that he would never amount to much. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Talk about some geniuses right there. In spite of that, what do these people have in common? They persevered. And that's that's the word that I want you to take away from all of this. Is It's not how you get knocked down. It's how you get back up. It's that perseverance that I think really define someone's character of keeping it moving, keep going at all costs. So leading others looks like valuing people, praising their effort and rewarding performance. Um, something that I do to kind of help lead myself at times is after I've done something big or small, whether it be a project or something that I just truthfully didn't want to do, I try to incentivize myself and treat myself Um, after I've, maybe I did this really big pitch and I don't know if the client's going to say yes or no to it, but I put that whole thing together and I was proud of it from start to finish. And yes, there were bumps along the way to getting it there, but I went and got myself like a necklace. I was proud of myself. I, I deserved that necklace. And that's what I told myself. It's important to cultivate a positive attitude about yourself, no matter the circumstance. An example of where I bought that necklace, unfortunately, the client did not go for that really big Project. Just found that out actually, like yesterday. Pretty bummed. I poured a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that project, but it's not anything to do with myself. It's literally their budget. And it's important to cultivate a positive attitude about yourself no matter if you win or lose in those situations. But the fact that I did the thing, the fact that I showed up and really put myself out there and put the work out there, and it, it was the largest project to date that we quoted. It was a big deal. And I did that. I had some help, but I showed up and pitched that. People who don't give up keep trying because they don't base their self-worth on their performance. Instead, say, you know, I missed that one. Or I made a mistake. You know, I think that's, it's really easy, depending on what Enneagram type you are, which people are more complex than a number. I do recognize this. I'm a three on the Enneagram and I'm layered, so I'm not just a three, but, you know, it's really easy to try to tie your self-worth with your work, especially if you're a very passionate person about what you do. It's hard not to, right? And so I want to encourage you, and I'm reminding myself in this conversation that it's not a direct reflection of you. You know, you're not directly tied to your self-worth being what you put out in terms of your work. I want you to train yourself to see failure as a momentary event, like we talked about, not a lifelong epidemic. i <laughs> so that one more time for the lady in the back. Train yourself to see failure as a momentary event, not a lifelong epidemic. Something that I've done um, in the past is logging all of my success, like periodically looking at it and just like evaluating the week or the day and, and just kind of putting it into perspective. Like, okay, like... You may have missed this one thing, SK, but look at all the amazing other things that you're doing to to move things forward or to help others or to love others well. And I think that is a really great way to benchmark your success personally or professionally that helps you to kind of check in with yourself and realign and reprioritize what is important to you in life. Another thing that can really... Cripple you with failure is not taking action. So, inaction. So, I want to encourage you to take action and reduce your fear. The more that you freeze up, the less likely you are to make a move out of fear of failing. Um, The first step in weathering failure is learning not to personalize it, which we just talked about. But, fear of failure stops progress, right? So, and that can really look like a lot of things, but one paralysis. Mm, been there two procrastination. Hello. And three um, excuses, hopelessness, you know, misused energy like that can really negatively set you back. People get stuck in the fear cycle. And so I want to encourage you to get out of that fear cycle. If you find yourself there, if you find yourself having paralysis. If you're like, yes, girl, I am procrastinating because I do not want to do that thing. Um, I feel really hopeless and I don't know where to to move next. I don't trust my decision-making. I think we've all been there, but I want to encourage you to get moving. Get out of that fear cycle. So get moving, build some momentum, make some mistakes, and move on. That last one I know it's a hard one to, to move from, is to actually move on. But take action to reduce that fear. So this is me Today. Taking action because it's been a little bit of time since I've been back on the podcast. And I'll tell you, like, I've really struggled with just some seasons in life and, and what to do next and why to do it and what makes sense and what's aligned. And this is me today showing up, y'all. Change your response to failure by accepting responsibility. Ooh. Ooh. This is SK Soapbox right here. Not sure if. Uh, years, if you yourself have experienced this or you've witnessed other people failing to accept responsibility for their actions, Oh, that one's like my personal, like just it triggers me. Have you ever heard the old saying, if you always do what you've always done, then you'll always get what you've always gotten. We call this the failure freeway, right? So common issues is seeing every obstacle or error as somebody else's fault, Pointing the finger is what we like to call that or sweeping it under the rug, trying to avoid owning your area of responsibility. If you, you know, and I always tell my team, if you're going to mess up, freaking mess up big, like make it worth it. And I'm the queen of mess up. So, but you have to own it and not make the same mistake again. Right. So this looks like blowing up, covering up speeding up, trying to get through your work, check off your to-do list, which we've all been guilty of that, backing up um, and giving up. So I want to encourage you not to blow up, not to cover up your mistakes, not to speed through those tasks that you don't want to do, um, not regressing backwards and not giving up. So take responsibility. Stuart B. Johnson said, our business in life is not to get ahead of others but to get ahead of ourselves to break our own records to outstrip our yesterday by our today Whew. powerful i really like this quote because she's essentially saying if you're going to be in competition be in competition with yourself take the responsibility own it and i think that's a big thing especially in like the work culture this is a scarcity mindset that if well she's getting recognized i'm getting you know, essentially demoted because she's being recognized. It's not to do with that. I cannot stand that kind of stuff. There is plenty of room, first off, for everyone to shine at their own given time, if putting, if willing to take responsibility and put in the work. But at all costs, you are showing up to be better than you're yesterday. You're competing with yourself. You can dodge responsibility all day long, but you can't dodge the consequences of your responsibilities or the consequences of your inaction. So, you know, I lead a team remotely and I wanted to make the most of our time spent together for about 30 minutes, twice a week. We reconnect at the end of the day and just try to make sure everyone's on task, doing what they're doing, really wanting to make the most of our time together just to kind of keep the lines of communication open. And I could tell like after a couple of months, I just felt like we were kind of hitting a wall a little bit with like, getting the most out of our time together. And so I created this whiteboard experience in Canva, which is really great if you're leading a team remotely. Also, Zoom has like a whiteboard feature you can use now. But at the time I was using Canva and I said, I need, I'm going to give you all access to this whiteboard. I want you all to pick your color and you all have a quadrant within this, you know, slide essentially. And I want you to tell me how our meetings could be meaningful and intentional in your own words. And then I kind of gave a minute and time to them to do that. Cause I like to time people. <laughs> it's fun. Um, and it gets people outside of their comfort zones, especially if they're deep thinkers, which a lot of my team, they definitely are. And so I, I had a lot of fun watching them fight over which color for their quadrant. And then they, they went to work and, and read it out. And then we I paused. I said, Okay. Time's up. Now I want you to take, you know, a minute to like upvote somebody or like put emojis behind beside what what really stuck out to you in each person's feedback. And so we did that, and then I was able to kind of take from their feedback and create a document that walked out the remaining of the year. So it really showed them that I was taking what their feedback had been and applying it to our weekly meetings. And it showed that I was trying to make those meetings meaningful and intentional. Um, And I think that was a really great way to bring the team together and rally behind just the rest of the year. But change your response to failure by accepting responsibility. Don't let failure from outside get inside of you. So life is not simply holding a good hand. Life is playing a poor hand well which is a Danish saying. I really like this quote. I'm a big quote person, if you haven't picked up on that yet. So I don't know about you, this is going to sound really nerdy, but here we go. I love the game Settlers of Catan. Some people call it Catan, really don't know how what to call it. But anyway, it's essentially, it's a strategy game. It's a board game with resource cards and everyone's trying to position their settlement in the right geographical location where all the resources might hit based off of what you end up rolling up the dice. So it's like a little bit of like a, you know, the probability of, of getting, a, of, of hitting an eight or rolling an eight. Like you want to make sure that your settlements on that particular number with some good resources and you're essentially trying to like grow this big settlement that eventually turns into like a city. There's like the longest road, the biggest army. It's really fun, but it's also very, very competitive. If you play with myself and Justin, my husband, <laughs> and we thought it'd be fun to bring that to a family Christmas one year. My cousin was like just turning, I think 16 that year at the time. And this was several, several years ago um and he ended up loving the game and of course you know I won a few rounds not going to brag here but I get really into it and Justin won you know one of them and I just remember that playing that game everyone would get frustrated if they didn't win or people wouldn't trade with them or they just had a bad hand and it just kind of took me back to that quote that life is not simply holding a good hand, life is playing a poor hand well. And I like to think that every time I play that game, that's pretty much everyone starts at, you know, playing a poor hand. But it's what you do with what you've been given, I think really shows your capacity to reach your fullest potential. And so I really love that game because it really kind of forces you to play a poor hand well. Because it's not the size of the problem, but how you handle the problem. That is the greatest thing. And the greatest battle against failure is the one inside of you. I don't know about you, but that is, that hits really home for me. Um, I think we all can be our worst critics and we can all have this internal voice inside of us that's constantly feeding us lies. And I just want to encourage you to have that mindset shift and to shut that girl down because that is not the truth. That's not even remotely accurate, and I want to encourage you to rise above that little voice that's telling you that you can't. So it's important to have that mindset shift. So cultivate a positive attitude. If you learn that no matter what happens to you, you can weather the storm and build on the good that you find in any solution or any situation, you are going to set yourself up for success. Being content doesn't mean being satisfied with the bad situation. Off that one more time. Being content doesn't mean being satisfied with a bad situation. It simply means having a good attitude as you work your way out of it. Ooh. This, this is it. If you, if you hear anything today, some people think that Understanding that you can't change all the pieces on the board. Understand that you can only play a poor hand. Well, considering the odds that are against you is a reflection of you not being content or you maintaining the status quo. It's not that it's understanding when to play against the odds and when to know when to hold it right. Like, holding your cards and knowing when to strategically place that card or to fight that battle. It's not, um, it's not simply because you don't care or that you don't want to rock the boat. It's just understanding the right time to do that and the actual positive change you can make considering that you may not be able, depending upon your position or your role, you may not be able to completely change or overhaul The situation. But what you can do is be content in the moment and work and work your way out of it. So I want to encourage you if you've got that negative mindset going on to really readjust your point of view and assess like what is it that I actually can change in the situation and how much of it is my response to the situation because you can't change a whole lot, but you can change your mindset and you can change the way that you show up and the words that you use to express yourself in the moment. And if you're someone who has a quick response to things and doesn't really think it over and just reacts immediately, that may take a little bit of self-evaluation and really assess how you're showing up and your response to situations. So I'm not saying don't, be content. I'm just saying, understand that there's a difference between having that negative mindset and also knowing what's within your control and only controlling what you can. But some people do get in trouble because they focus their attention on things beyond their control. So my word to the wise is understand what you can control and what you can't and be content with what you can't control and focus on working on what you can control. So contentment looks like Expecting the best in everything, not the worst. Remaining upbeat, even when you get beat up. Seeing solutions in every problem, not a problem in every solution. Believing in yourself, even when others believe you failed. Holding on to hope, even when others say it's hopeless. So in chapter seven, it's all about saying goodbye to yesterday. So don't let the past hold you hostage. If you are not able to get over previous hurts and failures, then unfortunately you will be in this constant time loop of just bitterness and resentment. And trust me, you don't want to be there. To be able to move on allows you to free up mental space to tackle current challenges with enthusiasm and a minimum of personal baggage. Let's face it, we all have personal baggage. We all bring it to every situation. But if you allow yourself to forgive your past, to forgive yourself sometimes, then you're going to allow yourself to show up as your best self. You can either have a breakdown or a breakthrough. You decide. But don't live for yesterday. A couple of ways that you could be living in yesterday is constant comparison, rationalization, isolation, regret, and bitterness. Past hurts can either make you bitter or better. You decide. Change yourself and the world changes. I feel like the world opens up. Sometimes great achievement can come only as a result of a period of failure that helps you really understand who you are. If you are continually experiencing trouble or facing obstacles, then you should check to make sure that you are not the problem. This kind of reminds me of Taylor Swift's recent song. It's like, it's me. I'm not going to sing for y'all, but I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) That kind of is what this uh, section reminds me of. Um, But it's important to have a certain level of self-awareness and operate in your area of strength and giftings. I think anytime. We try to operate outside of our area of strengths and giftings. I think that's where we can get into a little bit of trouble because then we're kind of veering into someone else's lane and we sometimes don't understand how we're coming across in those moments. And so having a certain level of self-awareness is going to be your superpower. Here are a few ways to self-evaluate. One, see yourself clearly. Don't just assess what you do well. Number two, admit your flaws honestly. I quickly have told a supervisor recently, just to be transparent, these are my areas of strength. These are my areas of weakness. If this happens X, Y, or Z, I will be operating in my area of weakness, just so you are aware. And I I try to make that abundantly clear and professional. Um, And it's not to say that I won't do it. It's just say, hey, like I'm willing to do this thing, but just know that's not necessarily my area of strength. So I may need some additional help in that area. And I think it's okay to come from that angle as long as it's kind and professional and just frankly honest. Of course, that's not the main function of my job. But if we're adding certain things on, I think it's important to lead with honesty there. Number three, discover your strengths joyfully. You have so many wonderful qualities about yourself and so many great strengths. It's time to lean in on that. Lean into it and understand what they are because once you figure out your natural giftings and and honestly your area of strength you're going to find more alignment there build on those strengths passionately if you're not happy with your current job family situation or life recognize this number 1 this is powerful first off number 1 not realizing what you want is a problem of knowledge number 2 not pursuing What you want is a problem of motivation. Number three, not achieving what you want is a problem of persistence. So let that sink in a little bit. Chapter nine is all about getting over yourself and start giving yourself. So in order to fail forward, you must turn your attention away from yourself and towards helping others. Many people who struggle with chronic failure do so because they think of no one but themselves. I think we've all had a season of that, right? They worry about what other people think of them. And you're just looking out for number one at that point in time. But people need belonging. People need to feel worthy. People need to feel competent. People need to feel like they're working towards a common purpose. And if you're not making people your passion and your purpose, then I have to say, hold up. Let's evaluate here. People are your passion and people are your purpose. You just so happen to work doing X, Y, or Z, but that should be one of your, that should be tied to your why, right? Something that plagues this in the workforce is when competition is fierce, selfishness makes it almost impossible for a team to win. This is an important piece of the equation. So one time I had a leader write a bunch of team members' names on the board. And started assigning like a scorecard to each person, like SK two, so-and-so one, so-and-so negative three, like as a joke. And it was all tied back to the recent performance of the day. And it was supposed to be in all good fun. But I seriously looked at that leader and I said, we either win as a team or we lose as a team. I don't see it as an individual sport here. And what I mean by that is, like, if you do not have that team mindset, and and as long as we're winning together as a team or losing together as a team, that's the important piece here. It's not a bunch of individuals. It's It's not an individual sport. It is a team sport. And so in that moment, it was incredibly divisive and incredibly competitive. And it's everything wrong with trying to cultivate a team of collaboration and a team of synergy and of mutual respect. So start adding value to others by putting others first. How can I make people feel more comfortable? Is really the question you need to ask yourself. Find out what other people need, like what are their needs? And this is an important one, number three, meet that need with excellence and generosity not just through listening, right? That's that's one step of the equation, but through your actions. It's not just one thing to put people first. It's not just another thing to listen to what their needs are. But number three, take action. Create an action plan to help them get to where they're trying to go. Show that you care. Chapter 10. Find the benefit in every bad situation. Or as I like to say, this is me paraphrasing, seek opportunity in every challenge. This is my personal mantra and something that I try to live out every single day. Psychologist Dr. Joyce Brothers said The person interested in success has to learn to view failure as a healthy, inevitable part of the process of getting to the top. Adversity creates resilience, adversity develops maturity, adversity pushes the envelope, adversity provides opportunity. Adversity promotes innovation. Adversity recaps benefits. Adversity motivates. If at first you do succeed, try something harder. Mm, Take risks. That's a hard one. People who are willing to try new ideas, they find opportunities. They finish their responsibilities. They feed on impossibilities. Personal favorite, they fan the flame of enthusiasm. They face their inadequacies. They figure out why others fail. They finance the cost into their lifestyle. They fear futility, not failure. They find pleasure in the goal. They finish before they rest. They follow leaders. They force change. They fish for solutions. They fulfill their communities. And they finalize their decision. So in 2022... Just last year, I read one of the hardest self-evaluating books, in my opinion, out there. It's The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Pett. He begins the book by saying life is difficult. Yeah, he doesn't sugarcoat anything in this book. Many people never learn the hardest lesson, which is is basically that life is hard and doesn't necessarily owe you. So don't use up your energy to find fairness. Simply put, life is not fair. So if you're thinking back to when you were growing up and your parents saying that to you, they weren't kidding. It's just worse coming from them than it is a book. But still, life is not fair. And the moment that you realize that and and don't weigh or compare your life to other people and the fairness of their life, the better off you're going to be. Chapter 12 is learn from bad experiences and make it a good experience. I love the name of this chapter. It says make failure your best friend. (laughs) So let's DTR. Let's define the relationship. Be determined to learn from your failures. I tell my team all the time, like I said, if you mess up, mess up big and own it. I like to think that I lead by example on this front (laughs) because I do. (laughs) I definitely own it uh, when it happens. And I think it's important to display a teachable spirit. Your attitude towards failure determines your attitude after failure. Sydney Harris once said, a winner knows how much she still has to learn, even when she is considered an expert by others. You have to stay curious. You have to have a thirst for knowledge. You have to contribute to learn and evolve in order to be relevant in your industry. Don't know about you, but in my industry, it is constantly evolving. It's actually pretty exhausting at times just because how much is happening and tests being tested and tried and different methods and best practices. And it's hard to feel like you're constantly on top of it, but it's also this, that's what makes it fun for me at least is that I'm a student first. I have to be in order to stay relevant. And so I think having that thirst for knowledge and to seek to understand is really what it boils down to. And that's really why the podcast was created was to really, Learn from women who are walking in different paths and going down different journeys, but are finding some really cool lessons along the way and sharing that with others and finding community through it. So, how do you learn from failure? Really ask yourself what caused the failure. Was it the situation? Was it someone else? Or was it yourself? Ask yourself what happened. Is what happened truly a failure? Or did you yourself fall short. Ask yourself what went well and what did not? And what can I learn from what happened? Practicing an attitude of gratitude is key in all of this. I think it's important anytime that you finish a project, finish a case, finish whatever you're working on. I think it's important to deconstruct it in a way that allows people to save space and to talk freely and openly in a respectful way about what could have been done differently. But I think that there's a different, you have to approach it in the right way to where it feels like it's not completely pointing fingers at others. So two different ways to learn from failure. One would be wisdom from your own mistakes. And two would be wisdom from watching other people make a mistake. Both are very telling and both very helpful. Chapter 13 is all about working on the weakness that weakens you. So two words, blind spots. And guess what? We all have them. But one of the top reasons people fail is because they fail to see their shortcomings. If you don't know you have a problem, then you can't work to fix it. Clarity is kindness. And I repeat this all the time to the team. Because if you, if you don't know that you're the problem, how can you fix the problem? If you can't give someone constructive feedback to learn, grow, and develop, how are you ever going to set them on a course to learn from their mistakes? And then you're going to blame them for not realizing it? No. Well, sometimes you need that truth teller in your life, whether it's your best friend, your mom, your neighbor, your supervisor at work, whoever it may be for your mentor. You need someone who's going to get real with you and let you know kind of some of those blind spots. Here are some identifiers. Maybe that you have an inability to relate to others. May you're unable to get along with certain people based off of personality, based off of whatever it may be. That may not work out in certain cultures. Number two, you have a negative attitude. Three, maybe it's just a bad fit. Maybe it's a mismatch of values, abilities, or interests. Number four, maybe it's a lack of focus. Five, a weak commitment. Six, an unwillingness to change. Seven, a shortcut mindset. So just to preface, there's not a shortcut to success and you shouldn't cut corners. Eight, relying on talent alone. A strong work ethic to talent is like pouring gasoline on a fire. It's explosive. Or maybe it's number nine, a response to poor information. So maybe it's how you're responding to situations. And number 10, not having goals, not having a direction for where you're trying to go. All of that can be a weakness. Chapter 14, understand that there is not much of a difference between failure and success. There is no failure except no longer trying. There is no defeat except from within. No really insurmountable barrier to save our own inherent weakness of purpose. That's by Ken Hubbard. So the power of persistence Like I mentioned, I think it's a superpower to be politely persistent. I feel like that's kind of something that I really own and lean into at times. And reminding yourself that nothing worth achieving is easy. So one, purpose. You need to find one and develop a passion. Surround yourself with people who possess great desire and passion. Number two is develop discontent with the status quo. Understanding what you can change and what you can't change, I think number two is important. Number three, search for a goal that excites you. Number four, put your most vital possessions into that goal. Number five, visualize yourself enjoying the rewards of that goal. So if you remember anything from this section, eliminate excuses. Treat yourself after you hit your goal. Stay the course. Determination and perseverance is key. Chapter 15. Get up, get over it, and get going, girlfriend. So some noteworthy points from this chapter would be nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated drifters. Persistence and determination alone are powerful. Number one, finalize your goal. That goal shapes your plan. The plan shapes the action. Number two, order your plan. So Benjamin Franklin once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Many people have a goal, right? And you can set a plan, but you also have to work the plan, right? And that takes preparation. You can't just show up to a meeting and hope for the best. You've got to prepare for that meeting in order to get the most out of what the meeting was for, right? That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm not going to show up to a meeting unless I know what the goal is or we're just going to be sitting there talking around in circles. (laughs) Number three, risk failing by taking action. If you fall down, brush yourself off and keep moving. Number four, welcome mistakes. These are signs that you're moving into new territory and actually learning. So be kind to yourself. And realize that every setback may just in fact be that next setup. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.